Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil from Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, council member here outside of the Philadelphia area. And if you've listened in the past, you know that I have had the pleasure and the honor of talking with people who have run for office or are running for office in all 50 states plus D.C. And now I have a chance to go back and talk with people, um, talk in states that I think are important, share different stories, and I'm really excited to go back to Michigan today. It's such an important state all the time, especially in 2020. And from my experience following on Twitter, I think the Michigan Democratic candidates are really cool, and I'm jealous of them for having so many cool candidates, not that we don't in Pennsylvania. Uh, Before we start, please subscribe to the podcast and look back at past episodes Um, including from Michigan, a podcast with Jason Morgan from a few weeks, months ago, depending on when you're listening. Uh, So today I'm talking with Abigail Wheeler. She is in local government running for state uh, legislature right now. She's a firefighter and she's got some important initiatives, important goals to do if she wins. And there's a lot that can happen in Michigan if Democrats can flip more seats and make a big impact in the 2020 election because it's not just about winning it's about governing and that's what we're going to talk about today so abigail thank you for uh talking to me today thank you for having me i'm so excited to be here i i always find it funny that anyone's excited to talk to me but i appreciate that (laughs) Uh, so um tell me a little bit about how long have you been involved in politics because it sounds like your family is community-minded from reading your profile? Have you always been paying attention to politics even when you were younger? Not that you're not young now. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, My mom in particular is really politically minded and that has um, translated to me even from a young age. Um, Watching back in 2016 when uh, I was still in high school, um, watching that election play out, I was about two weeks too young to vote in 2016. Mm unfortunately. Um, but I, I've always been politically minded and really got my start really with my fingers deep in politics uh, back in, in 2018 when I decided to run for office um, at my local village. And um, that's really where I got my start and have uh, really taken a huge interest in it and um, slowly come to realize how much politics plays a part in our lives, um, even at the local level. Really, um, as as I make decisions on the village council, um, seeing how much it affects everyone that I live around mm-hmm. and family. Yeah, you know, I just you don't know this, but I did tweet today about the fact that your this is the first presidential election for people who were born after nine eleven, uh, and obviously you're born before then. But your life is so much different than mine. I'm forty. And so I have this pre-9-11 awareness and pre-internet awareness even a little bit. Um, Do you think that a lot of um, people who are older than you, not that this is a problem with them, but may may not be aware of what life is like, the perspectives of young people having grown up in this world past that major milestone? Yeah, I definitely think that um, it's something that older generations may not be aware of, for sure. I mean, we definitely have a different outlook because we didn't go through a traumatic event like 9-11 where, you know, the whole world stopped. And, um, you know, I mean, you people always talk about they remember where they were when 
um, 9-11 happened. And um, that is not something that I have experienced, you know, and, and um, I think that it gives older generations a different perspective, that's for sure. And maybe one that's a little bit wiser than mine because of the, the traumatic event that they went through and seeing how a country can really come together and unite, um, which I think is something that we need to do now more than ever is come together again and kind of come back to, to center and realize what's really, really important to us um, more than the hatred that we're experiencing and the divisiveness that we're experiencing that you know we all know about right now. Yeah, and I think that so much change then, there was so much divisiveness, even right after 9-11, where people didn't, people loved to talk about, I wish we were united like we were then, and we were united because we were scared out of our wits. That's not really a way we want to be united. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you are in Michigan. People love to talk about the swing states as they are, and they just paint Michigan as a thing, and obviously mm-hmm. it is not a monolith. What What's your area like? Yeah, so I'm in Southwest Michigan. I am um, probably, I want to say, three hours away from the Indiana border. Um, And this area of Michigan, I feel like, is really unique and um, that uh, we have a strong sense of community, especially in Van Buren County particularly. Um, It's really community-minded more than anything else, and I love that about where I live. Um, And I think it really makes for... um, a strong place to live. I mean, we can, I can go to my neighbors and ask them for anything practically and they will help me. So I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, we're unique and that, um, we have the ability to go anywhere, right? We can go to Indiana, we can go to Chicago, we can go up North. Um, we're kind of, we're not the center, but we are, um, at the edge. So that's pretty cool. And, um, I, in talking with other reps and people like John Hoadley, who is running for Congress in Michigan's sixth district, which is what my district is in, um, we can all pretty much agree that um, we love where we live and that we want to be a great representative of where we live because it's just a great community. And I cannot stress that enough. Um, that's part of the reason why I ran back in 2018 for the village council is because I felt like my community members needed better representation and needed things that they weren't getting. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just didn't feel like that was fair. I, I still don't feel like, um, with our current representative, we are getting our voices, voices heard, especially with, um, in my district having about a 9% Hispanic population, um, who feel like they haven't really been heard is a big issue. Um, I, uh, was contacted by one of my volunteers who talked to a tribal leader, who also felt like they weren't being heard and um, that the Native Americans in the district weren't being properly represented either. And so that's something that we're really looking into because these people um, make up our community and they make up our neighbors and they deserve to be represented just the same as you or I do. Um, So that's something that I'm really looking forward to working on. Um, We are working on um, having Spanish speakers be able to translate for us when we do go talk to our Hispanic population so that we can communicate in their native language. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and there's so much more to that too, of, um, you know, being able to communicate to Spanish speakers in their native language about water quality, which in Flint didn't happen and they were affected by the Flint water crisis more so. So it goes so much deeper in that, um, 
more than just letting them know about a candidate that they're going to uh, possibly elect. It's, it goes deeper to a social aspect and inclusion and everything else. Yeah, it's interesting. It's unfortunate, I think, that the national political dialogue about Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin is just that everyone needs to pay attention to white, non-college educated men. Like, right. and, and yet it's clear just in your little pocket of Michigan, it's a very diverse community. It's not like, well, we're all this. It sounds like there is a, there are a lot of different kinds of people there. And it is it a place where people get along or do you see like divisiveness happening because of the political atmosphere? I feel like I see the divisiveness because of of the political atmosphere, like you said. Um, and it you can uh, kind of tell by what area you go to. Right. We have some more areas that are more red, some mm-hmm. areas that are more particularly where I live is more blue and has been trending blue um, for a while. And so um, you can see the, you know, the different yard signs that come in and everything, whether it's a Biden sign or Trump sign, what have you. And then, you know, um, I went to to drop off yard signs over in a different area and the, um, there's just Trump signs everywhere or, um, you know, my opponent signs. Um, and so you can definitely tell that it's it's this way. Right. And um what I really like about my message is that I feel like it's kind of bringing all these different people together, right? I'm a firefighter EMT, and um, I I don't ask what your political party is when I go in to put your house fire out or when I um, are doing I'm doing CPR on your loved one. I don't I don't. Are you a Republican or a Democrat? I don't do that, right? And that's what I want to bring to the table as a state rep as well. I'm going to represent everyone, not just Democrats in the area. Um, and, um, I think that that it's a really powerful message that resonates with even the Republicans in the district. And we've seen that. And I've seen that, especially talking to them on the phone, because that's the main way we're talking to people right now is calling them. And, um, uh, again, another volunteer messaged me and said, Hey, I talked to someone who said he's never voted for a Democrat in his entire life, but he's going to vote for you because he's a retired firefighter and to him you being a firefighter means your family and that he knows what your values are. Um, and that just, I, I can't even tell you how much that means to me. And, and from being on your local elected, uh, being a local, local elected official and being a firefighter, like I know from being a council member myself, we have a really strong relationship with our fire department, you know, volunteer firefighters. And I don't know all of those people all of the time, but I know what they're doing. So you probably have a more uh, uh, more substantial connection to your community through that than some other candidates might. Definitely. Um, you know, whether it's um, whether I have my uniform on or I am in street clothes, um, I know most of the people walking down the street. Um, it also helps that my village is pretty small. But, um, you know, and that goes really far with n- name recognition. Um, and the polls, because they look at that name and it's someone they actually know instead of just a name on a ballot, because I've either worked with them because I worked at different stores in our little town or they've seen me at the fire department, whether it's working our um, working with our Boy Scouts to do their annual pancake breakfast. And they use our, our fire station to do that. Or it's I went to school with their kids. Um, so I have all of these really awesome connections in my community. And I love it because um I can walk up to somebody and say, you know me, you know what I stand for. 
um, I'm running for office. What do you need? Um, what, what is most concerning to you, um, and your family? And, uh, I love being able to do that throughout the district and make these different connections with everybody because I want everybody to feel heard and I want them to be seen. Um, especially uh, going into this election, because I feel like a lot of the times that's not the case. And um, that's just not fair, um, especially when currently they have a representative who um, has ousted a, a slice of the community with being a part of um, a, a hate group um, called Act for America, which is one of the, um, the Southern Poverty Law Center has deemed it one of the worst hate groups uh, Muslim, anti-Muslim sentiment hate groups, um, which was created after 9-11. And so to just isolate this sect of the community and make them feel like they're not represented or, or, or you know, how could they be represented by someone who believes that way? Um, I just don't think that that's fair in any way whatsoever. Um, you know, as an elected official, um, you have to be able to put your personal views aside and be a voice for the people in your community. And that's why I really like my position on the village council because it's nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. And uh, once again, I have that aspect of, I don't have to ask you if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I just do what I think is in the best interest of the people who live here and for um, the village and for the community. And, and I love being on local council because you do the nuts and bolts of governing and maybe you don't, you have a man, we have a manager who drafts the budget, but you know, I'm looking line at them by line at them. Can we cut this? Can we add that? Um, you know, parking stuff. And so you kind of, you see how government can and should work. And to me, maybe hopefully to you, um, that kind of colors that you want government to work at every level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have learned so much about government and the process government has to go through. Uh, by being on the village council, whether it's the DEQ or the road commission or just our internal department of public works, there's so many players that go into the different parts of government. That's really important for um, regular people like you and I to realize. And we've done that through our, our local councils um, because it's not just go to a council meeting and vote on things. It's doing your research and reading up on, like you said, your budget and knowing um, what's going on in your, in your department of public works, what's knowing, mm -hmm. going on in your road, going on, going on in your parks. So there's so much more that I have learned and I'm really excited to continue to work on. Um, I, uh, I really um, am pushing the idea of more transparency, right? That's the whole reason I ran in 2018 for the village council was to improve the communication and the transparency of the village to its constituents. And um that's something that I want to translate to the state house. And I've learned different ways to do that, whether it's creating a Facebook page um, to communicate or keeping the website updated um, or, you know, just simply putting things out on my personal page about the village, which reaches a lot of people as well. And, you know, one thing that reason that's important right now is local media is dying. And, you know, I being a younger elected person you may not have relied on local media as much as some of your constituents but um you know especially now with the economy we we our our local meetings are virtual sometimes things get in the press sometimes they don't we want the press covering us good or bad um so do you feel like in government now not just i guess with your opponent and just in general in michigan is the information not getting out there like it should and what kind of information do you think people 
want to see or need to see to be better informed, not just about how to vote, but, you know, what governing decisions are being made. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. And that in my area in particular, broadband access is few and far between. It's it's having internet access is hard here and having reliable internet access is hard as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people do rely on local media, which, um, like you said, is unfortunately dying. Um, and so certain things like local issues aren't being covered um, because you only have your national news, right? Um so I, I do think that 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 is slowly going away, which is an issue because, like I said, broadband access isn't isn't there. So they can't. It's harder for people to go on our village website. It's hard for um, people to um, to get access to um, articles like M Live, that sort of thing, to really dive deep into local issues. Um, and as a state rep, I mean, we deal with local issues as well. Yeah, we're with the state, but we also listen to our constituents about local issues to try to change things. And so um, I, I do feel like there needs to be that media coverage. Um, as, uh, as, as a local official or as a state rep, there does need to be that there. And um, when you're a state rep, you are that voice. If local media is not going to cover it, you need to then, right? You need to shout it from the rooftops. You need to post it on your Facebook. You need to write articles. You need to write letters to the editor. You need to do all of these things to communicate what you're doing and what's going on. So that way um, your constituents can be heard. They can be um, informed because, um, you know, finding information on my local village council before I was a village council person was really hard. Mm -hmm. um, having things like that, that really um, impact your life available and ready. So you can see it, you can analyze it and you can ask questions is so incredibly important. And that's again, improving, improving the transparency aspect to government. Um, if you didn't know, Michigan ranks last of all 50 States in governmental transparency. Um, and that's why that's part of the reason why I'm pushing for more transparency so hard because um, it's just not there. And we can I mean, we've been graded. It's it's not there. Um, and at the state level, there are some really quick and easy ways we can change that, like being able to FOIA our governor's office, um, even though Governor Whitmer has been great. Um, being able to FOIA our legislators is is all really, really important and a way we can climb up in those ranks and improve our transparency. Has there been pushback against that in, in legislature then? I, I don't really think so. It's just something that just hasn't been done. Mm -hmm. It's something that paid attention to, right? right. Um, and needs more attention because if someone wants to get that information, they should be able to, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's something that I've learned a lot from doing this podcast is sometimes the problem isn't that someone's pro or con, but that no one's run before caring about an issue. Right, definitely. Yeah, I, and I see that a lot in... Um, even local stuff is um, a Facebook page just wasn't thought of before. Mm -hmm. No one had thought to do that, to create a Facebook page, to communicate different things like public hearings um, or road closures or, you know, projects, that sort of thing. And we've gotten a wonderful response from it. I mean, we've gotten tons of followers, tons of great questions and everything. So I, I, I'm excited to see it flourish. So um, one thing I said at the start is I am excited about Michigan Democrats. I feel like from talking to folks and seeing some of the cool candidates that are there. I've talked with Julie Pulver um, and a few others who are running sometimes in difficult districts, but still putting their neck out there. Um, but it does feel like the Democratic ticket in Michigan is more of a team than I recall Democrats being years ago, where in any state they'd be like, well, 
I'm Abigail and I'm running. Yes, I might be a Democrat, but do you feel like there is a, a good team aspect to the ticket in 2020 this year? Oh, absolutely. We are all working really closely with each other, which I love, um, to try to flip Michigan blue. We only need four state, uh, four seats in the state house to flip the state house blue. And then um, obviously we're trying to get John Hoadley for Congress elected to beat Fred Upton, who is a 34-year incumbent. Um, so I've, I've done um, town halls with John Hoadley, with Chokwe Pitchford, um, who is running for state rep in the 79th. Um, worked closely with Christine Morris, who's running in the um, 61st. And we, um, I love it because Chokwe and I are both 21 years old, right? And we bounce ideas off of each other. We text probably almost every day. We call each other quite often. And it's really nice to be able to have a soundboard of another candidate. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have your campaign manager and your other people, but um, it's different being in the shoes of a candidate, right? Yeah. So, um, it's been really great to have these other people to talk to. It's also been really great to talk to um, John Hoadley because he's actually currently a state rep. And so being able to ask him questions, whether it's about the job itself or about different things he did during his candidacy um, has been really important to me. And he has been a huge supporter. Um, we always talk about the uh, the pyramid, right? You need a, a strong foundation in order to build up. And so... Um, whether it's our county commission candidates who um, myself and my campaign manager helped recruit, um, uh, those those are the foundations, right? So, you know, county commission, these local officials um, who are running as Democrats kind of building it. And then next up, myself kind of helping build the ticket. Um, because when um, we're here at the bottom and we start talking about people like John Hoadley, he does the same thing. So he's at kind of at the top of the ticket. We're building a strong foundation for him to kind of run on. So if you think about it, if people are going to vote for John Hoadley up here, they're most likely probably going to vote for myself down here or our county commission candidates. And we're all kind of talking about each other. And so you get every time you talk to me, um, you're probably going to hear about John Hoadley. You're probably going to hear about Chokeway Pitchford. And you get that kind of name recognition in your head of, oh, I heard, you know, this candidate that I really like in the 66 talk about John Hoadley, who's running for Congress. Maybe I'll go research him or maybe I'll vote for him. Um, and so being able to have these connections is really important. One, because it really helps you um, with name recognition and get elected. And two, um, you make great friends and meet great people who will get you connected um, with volunteers and other things. And then you also have uh, uh, friends and people who are sounding boards who will be there for you. Maybe when you have a tough week and you didn't make enough phone calls or you have a really great week and they're cheering you on. So overall, just having this team of people and it's not just um, sink or swim. You know, if you have a bad week, they're going to be there to go. Let's keep going. Like my, my campaign's going well. Let's make yours go well, too. Um, and so I just think it's it's absolutely fantastic. And we're all have really same morals and ideals that we can talk about um, to all of our different voters that we um, a lot of people agree on and don't realize maybe that they agree on it. Yeah, I and I think that the podcast is called You Should Run, trying to encourage people to run for office themselves, whether it's for state rep or village council or county commissioner. It's a lot easier and more fun to run when you make friends and you have a team doing it, then feeling like it's just got to be Abigail and nothing, right? 
Definitely. Well, in 2018, that's kind of how it was running at the local level because, you know, you did at the local level. Um, for me, I had to get a total of six signatures to get on the ballot. Oh, if that gives any, tough. Um, representation. But, uh, you know, it was just me. It was my mom and I actually, thankfully, I had her. <laughs> but we ordered probably, I don't know, 10 yard signs for our little village and um, just talked to people we knew. And it was just me. And then that was fine. That was okay. Um, but having this kind of race um, and what a lot of people don't realize that there's a ton of work that goes into even a state rep race, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're uh, shooting to raise $75,000, um, which we're really close to doing. Woohoo. Um, I'm making about a thousand phone calls every week to voters right now because Michigan is having those absentee ballots roll out. People are voting sooner than ever. Um, so, and, and, you know, our volunteers, our field program, um, our mail program, our commercials, there's all of these different things that go into it that, um, so many people don't realize and that, that the hard work is there. So having a support system like that is really important because there are days you lay down and you're like, I didn't, I don't have enough hours in the day to get done what I need to get done. And you have people going, let's, come on, let's try to do our best. Let's put in the work. Let's do these hours. Let's do some extra stuff. Let's get help this, um, this thing or that thing. So, um, it, it's just so important to have these people cheering you on and helping you because without them, I honestly, without my campaign manager, I don't know where I'd be. She's wonderful. And I'm thankful for her each and every day. So you, like you said, from the start, you are a younger person running for state representative. I feel like government has often seemed like, especially to people in high school and even college, like something that people do when they're in their thirties or forties or fifties, even what kind of perspective and issues do you think are important that young people will bring to the legislatures that hopefully more people will do in the next few years? You know, that this year it's the first time people who are born after 9-11 are voting in these elections. The next time will be the first time people who were born after the Iraq war started. Well, like there's all these milestones. What kinds of things are younger candidates and, and elected officials going to bring to the table? Yeah, so this is something that Chokwe Pitchford and I talk a, a lot about because we, we're both the same age. And um, I, I always had the, pre, the preconceived notion that um, older people were the people who ran for office, people in their 30s or 40s or 50s. Um, and if you asked me two years ago when I ran for village council if uh, I would run or if I would you know be running for state rep when I was 21, the answer would be like, whoa, no way, that's way too soon. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity, I felt um, really lucky. Um, And I feel like being young, we can bring uh, fresh new ideas and not have um, preconceived ideas of what government should be, right? We can bring in our own view of what government should be, which um, for me is transparent, works for the people, um, and all of these great things that maybe older people talk about but don't actually accomplish. and I also think that um, that with Chokwe and I, we uh, bringing that new perspective is really important, right? Because not only can we um, try to act upon it, but we can try to teach other people that perspective and give them reasons why we think this way, mm-hmm. right? Everybody thinks for thinks a certain way for a reason, whether it's their life experiences or what have you. Um, so bringing these fresh ideas and this this mind that really hasn't. Um, had a ton of experience in government um, and being able to change it is really important because um, the, you know, 
this happens a lot in the fire service too. The same old thing that you've always done sometimes doesn't work. A lot of the times doesn't work and you have to change your tactics. And uh, for me, I think that's something that we need to do as a country is change our tactics. Um, and that's something that we are really looking forward to bring to the table. Hopefully Chokwe and I talk a lot about the different things that we want to try to do when we get elected, whether it's these simple local issues or bigger things. Um, so I, I just love the idea that young people are getting more and more involved. Um, and I think that having Michigan, having no reason absentee voting has really given young people a chance to get their voices heard as well. Um, it's easier for them to vote now more than ever. Um, and so them voicing their opinions is, has been fantastic. It reminds me of golfing cause I'm not a good golfer. I'm not good at like any sport. And, but if you golf a while and you develop bad habits, you keep them. And I have, a, I have a six-year-old, and if I got him to lessons now, he would be good from the start because he wouldn't develop bad habits. So right. bringing that there. Now, you said, you know, talking with your colleagues and the other people running about, like, the local things you can do and the big things. If you are a state legislator in a state like Michigan, which is a huge economy, vital to not just your town, but to the country. Michigan was where, like, the country was built in a lot of ways. What are some of the big things you hope to be part of, even if you're not like the prime sponsor of it? Yeah, definitely. Um, one, again, is that transparency aspect that right. it will affect the whole state and the country. Um, and I hope to help pave the way to having, in general, a more transparent country, in mm -hmm. you know, just overall. Um, I think that's really important. Something that I really want to work on is healthcare. Um, although as a state rep, there's a lot of things you can do as a state rep, but there's also some things obviously that are higher, you know, above, above you, um, that, that you can't really control. But, um, you know, I know a lot of people who have personal stories and I have personal stories about healthcare and about how healthcare doesn't help them. It doesn't work for them. It's, um, something that's un that's not attainable. Right. Um, uh, for example, my sister, um, is a server. She broke her ankle and couldn't work because she couldn't walk, had to have surgery to put hardware into her ankle, and because of Medicaid work requirements, lost her health insurance. And when she had to have the hardware removed after her ankle healed, hmm. I had to pay for that surgery out of pocket, which for most Americans is really unrealistic. Um, so that's something that I'm looking forward to working on and hopefully working with John Hoadley, who's in Congress, on um, trying to to make healthcare more accessible for everyone, right? So that's one thing that I, I personally want to work for, um, work towards. Um, and then water quality, you know, we're the Great Lakes state, we should be good at this. And we've had things like the Flint water crisis happen. Um, in my district in particular, we have an issue with a chemical called PFAS. Mm -hmm. And it's an hamburger wrapper to the waterproof coating on my fire gear, right? It's this man-made chemical that does really terrible damage to the human body um, that is in our drinking water. And in my district, we had a, um, the city of Parchment went off their municipal water because it was so infiltrated with PFAS and connected to another municipality's water eventually permanently because it wasn't worth the price of fixing their own municipal water. Um, and so PFAS does, uh, it can, it can cause cancer, it can um, lead to death even. So it's, it's a really serious thing and has the potential to be as scary and as damaging as the Flint water crisis. 
Um, so that's something I'm really looking forward to trying to fix and keeping our water quality and our standards really high um, because uh, water is essential for life, <laughs> if you didn't know, um, and is really important to make sure that we're, we're keeping our people safe. Um, thankfully, Michigan State, one of the universities here, has taken on the task of doing more research about this so we can understand PFAS a little bit better than what we have in the, in the past. Um, and we need to continue to do that. We need to support people who've been affected by it, right? Um, the filters for PFAS are um, expensive and large. Um, and so being able to help people and provide that is something that's really near and dear to my heart um, because I have lived in the Great Lakes State my entire life. I've seen um, the pollution that has happened over the years and want to um, try to get rid of it, right? Um, whether it's on our beaches, in our water, our air quality, um, it's just something that I'm really, really passionate about and something that I can help try to change um, at the state level. Yeah, I think that hopefully no one is more passionate about water than a firefighter. That would that should be in your wheelhouse, um, right. you know, pun intended. Uh, my congresswoman, Madeline Dean, from here in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, has been working on this for years now. Well, since she got elected in 2018, but even as a state legislator talking about it. I know state our state legislators in our area here in the Philadelphia area. So you have cross-border places you can go and, and create allies with, which is exciting. Uh, so with all this, um, you have a lot of good perspective. And I did want to just touch on one perspective that you had that the way you phrased it jumped out to me. Because I can see a, someone who has been involved in Michigan for years saying we used to have the best quality water. But instead your phrasing was... We should have it. So you're not looking... A lot of people look backwards at how things were. Your perspective seems to be, no, because you don't have that perspective, is we should be here. Is that a fair way of saying it? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, yes, we should learn from mistakes in the past and try not to repeat those. Um, that's something that I've definitely learned from my siblings. Um, but, um, you know, at the end of the day... Um, there's a lot of things that you can't change. So um, dwelling on it is uh, not going to help us. We need to learn from it, move on, and then try better, again, better tactics um, and try to improve things in a different way um, and, and not make those same mistakes. So looking backwards has its time and, it, time and its place, but um, looking forward, we should really try to do everything in our power just to make uh, our state better, our country better, make it a place that we love to live, make it somewhere that's healthy for us to live. And uh, that's my main goal. Yeah, it's great to learn from the past, but we shouldn't want to go backwards. We should use it right. as an example for what to do next. So, Abigail, if people want to learn more about you, if they want to follow your campaign, see what's going on in Michigan, where should they go to follow you on social media or online, etc.? Yeah, so we have a website called wheelerforthe66th.com. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Abigail Wheeler for uh, State House District 66. We have a Twitter at Wheeler for HD 66. And we also have an Instagram at Wheeler for HD 66 as well. Um, we do all sorts of updates. Uh, we premiered our commercials on Facebook. So if you want to check those out, I urge you to. We have uh, a commercial that I personally am absolutely in love with. Um, I'll give you a sneak peek. It's about me taking my fire gear on and off about um, 50 times that day to get the shots that we needed. So um, it's called Suit Up, and the concept is, um, you know, 
I have to be ready for an emergency in 30 seconds with my fire gear. And I put on my fire gear in that 30 seconds. And at the end, um, you know, I say I'm ready to face the uh, emergencies in our state. And just like I do with um, what I do on the fire side. So um, go check those out. And um, our website is a great place to sign up for our emails, too, if you want to subscribe to our emails. Great. And, and I do want to just ask this one fun question at the end. Um, I, you, I reach out to you because you were endorsed by Run for Something, which is a group I really support and encourage everyone to get involved with and support not just today, but, you know, for the next few years to get more candidates like you to run. But you have these cool commercials, cool ads of yourself, and you have um, all these endorsements that, you know, two years ago, you never expected to have all these people caring about you. For someone who is like, well, I don't know if I should run for office or not, like, that seems intimidating. If you were telling them, what what would you tell them about how cool that is to be part of all that? Oh, my goodness. Where do I start? I, uh, frankly, was really, really nervous in the beginning. Right. right. I was young. I didn't have much experience. I thought maybe people would attack me for my age because uh, I am so young. And overall, uh, I haven't gotten any of that, right? I've had a few people ask me, uh, like, been leery about my age, but after hearing me speak um, and the ideas that I have that I want to bring to our state, um, they, they completely forget about my age. So it's really cool to see people from all walks of life and different ages um, listen and uh, be attentive to someone like me. I mean, just little me from the village of Madawan. Um, it's also been really cool to make all these different connections, whether it's different uh, people in my community who I haven't met or people um, like the governor or people like John Hoadley, different people who are, are running for office, who are really encouraging um, and, and seeing also the process of how a campaign works. Because uh, before this, I had no idea how a campaign worked. I didn't know the budget. I didn't know um, what goes into the commercials, what goes into... Um, hiring people what goes into even creating a bank account for a campaign. So it was really cool to see the process um, and to get to know everybody that I've met. And um, people ask me if I, if it's worth it, if I would run again. And my answer is always yes. It is completely worth it. It is worth all the hard work. It is worth um, sometimes the stress because I'd be lying if I said sometimes it didn't mm -hmm. get stressful. It is worth everything to have this experience to be able to say that you um, went and made a difference whether you won or not because um, you are having an influence on people whether you win or not. So uh, just overall, it is like one of the best experiences I've ever had um, uh, and I, I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, great. Well, one thing also I wouldn't change is the cool campaign that Abigail's running. Um, please follow her on Twitter at Wheeler for HD 66. I'll tweet that with this podcast. So if you're following this, you will see her tag. Um, and she's right now has like 850 followers on Twitter. Um, this is going up a few days after recording. So hopefully in the next few days, she'll be at a thousand followers. Um, and you can help get her from the firehouse to the state house. That's the goal. Uh, so thank you so much, Abigail, and best of luck to you in 2020 and then beyond. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me today.